What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and the guest. Today's guest is a man by the name of Aaron Quinn. He is a firefighter out of Oakland, California. We have a great conversation about yoga and strength and power and flow and connection. It is very good. I hope you enjoy. So, Aaron, uh, thanks for thanks for getting on the the line with me and and rapping about uh, all the stuff that you're doing and the projects you're working on and um, and I want to dig into all that stuff, but I I want to talk about a little bit about you and how you ended up being a firefighter and where a little bit about where you work and the kind of work that you're doing and um, we'll go from there. Absolutely. Um, so, I'll probably start with how I, how I became a firefighter. Um, I grew up in the same city that I work in, which is Oakland. And uh, growing up, my dad was a firefighter for the same city, also for Oakland. So I kind of grew up in the lifestyle. I grew up going by the firehouse on payday to pick up a paycheck. Uh, I grew up, you know, seeing oh. firefighters at the store. Back before direct deposit. Yeah, back before direct deposit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it used to be a really cool thing. Like, you know, every, you know, on Thursday, our text got came out Thursday, every other week. But, you know, Thursday, basically from about two o'clock to about dinner time or six, the firehouse kind of shut down for business and guys, <laughs> you know, guys would come in off duty and tell stories and, you know, bullshit and uh, drink coffee and they bring over treats. And it, it, it was kind of a very special time that, um, that kind of has gone away since direct deposit yeah. uh, has come up. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, not to get off the rails here, but it really is yeah. interesting how, how technology and, um, some of the things we do for our health are changing the culture in the fire service, but I'll, Absolutely. I'll, co- I'll come back to that. But um, yeah, for sure. For but, sure. Anyways, you were saying, so you, you would go with your dad to the firehouse. Yeah. And so I just, you know, I, I grew up being a firefighter's kid and it was pretty much what I always wanted to do. Um, I started off lifeguarding in the city of Oakland. It was the first job I had. And I just kind of transitioned right into a firefighter. In 2002, I got hired. I got hired at 22 years old, which is pretty young. Pretty young, yeah. Yeah. And um, worked worked pretty much my whole career. The last 18 years, it's all been East Oakland. And East Oakland's pretty busy. Um, it's like any other large city. It's, you know, it's pretty urban and, um, you know, has all different building types and challenges from bungalows to warehouses to above ground rail to freight train rail, to highways, to city streets. Um, so it's got a pretty good diversity as far as, as far as what you face in the fire service. And it's busy, and we like to get down. So that's fun. Nice. And uh, starting in 2007, I got tapped to be the head of physical training for all new recruits coming into our drill tower academy. So for the last 13 years, I've trained every single firefighter in physical fitness that's come through our academy. Our academies are about... 25 weeks now so i get them for an hour every morning maybe an hour and a half if i'm lucky every morning monday through friday now the last 13 years i've really kind of molded and shifted and changed um, how i train and how i train the recruits i think my training is very different from most drill ground training philosophies um i really try to attack um i hate this word but tactical athletes i really try to attack that from my from a different angle yeah, and from what really what I see is beneficial on the fire ground. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my well, thing. So let's, uh, 
let's talk about that a little bit. So yeah, you're as an organization, you guys, it's, it's really cool. Cause I think, um, we, in my neck of the woods, we have a pre-academy and they try to get folks prepped, right. To, and, and get them a, so, uh, get them conditioned for that, the, the way that the drill tower, as you call it, or the academy, the way that's going to feel mm-hmm. and the exertion that you're going to experience. So they're doing things with turnouts or doing more, you know, fu- quote, functional movements, right? More movements yeah. that are applicable to um, the work that we're doing. So is that, are you guys, did, did you say you're doing a pre-academy as well or just in the academy? No, we don't really do a pre-academy. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I think unfortunately, I think it's one of those things that there's a smart move nowadays. You know, I think, um, you know, when you got hired, uh, when I got hired, it was a little bit of transition, but definitely when my dad got hired, pretty much every person that came in the fire service came from either a sports, uh, a trades or like a military background. Right. So people already knew how to work and they already knew how to use their bodies. And nowadays, you know, we, we have more and more people coming to the job who really are students right. who went to high school and then right out of high school, either may went to college, may not went to college or may went to JC and got their firefighter one, their paramedic and never really had to use their bodies to work for anything. Mm. Um, so I see that across the board. So I think a pre-academy is smart. I, I've been pushing for it, um, but it just comes down to time and, and, and money, really. Yeah, yeah um, we just don't have the money to do it. Yeah, it's well, it's any like anything, right? You, you have to figure out how you're going to invest in your organization, and and uh, what we've found is that it's been uh, super helpful to the retention and the success of those candidates that were able to do that. And, um, but it is, there's a bit of a risk there, right? Cause you're putting people, uh, you know, f- physically exerting them before they even have a job really. And, um, so it's a little bit of organizational risk, but, but hopefully I, what I would like to think is that they are more prepared for the rigor of the Academy. So not only will they be successful, but also they're going to be healthier and more physically robust and less likely to get injured. A hundred percent. I right. couldn't agree with you more. So that's, on that. that piece is really important. So so knowing that injury prevention is a big part of this, what are what are some of the things that you do in your program that are you know because you get them raw, so to speak. So how do you yeah. how do you ease them into the workload and then and keep them healthy? Yeah, well, the, the first thing is you know I think just a philosophy that 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 I bring to the the, the training, the physical quote quote unquote physical fitness side. Uh, just use that in quotations. It's kind of the last of the four things I talk about. Um, mm. So you know, I really try to drill into them that the best firefighter is not always the best athlete. Mm. Um, and we see that too, like just in, in, in sports, the, the person who's the best, best athlete isn't always the best person on game day, right? There's far more that goes into a performance on a fire ground than just your physical ability. Now, that being said, to answer your question, what are some things that we, that, that I do, you know, I, I start off with, with teaching them about yoga and stretching um, and foam rolling. That's the first place I start, you know, basically how to keep your body moving healthy, uh, before the injury happens. And then we do a lot of prehab and prehab is the same philosophy of trying to stay left of the bang, right? Left of the end before yeah. the incident happens. And that's just a bunch of, um, you know, really think, you think of like, if you've ever been injured, uh, PT exercises that you would get from a PT office of common places that were injured. So we do a lot of strengthening of the glute medius. You know, that brings balance. It brings stability to the legs, uh, brings uh, stability to the knees. Do a lot of mobility for ankles. That's the first major joint that in the foot that hits the ground. So really trying to strengthen the foot, but also mobilize the foot. And and a lot of shoulder mobility, 
a lot of shoulder range, shoulder strengthening, and a lot of core and back uh, mobility and stability. And just bringing those practices in, you know, from day one and just making them understand that I'm not asking you to do a bunch of push-ups to your eyes bleed on day one. You know, the first couple of weeks is really, is really slow. It's, and it kind of gets in the mind from a, this is, this is actually, this is going to give me the longevity of my career. Hmm. Did, do you get any, I know you have a captive audience, so it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a different feel, right? But do you get any resistance? Like folks are like, mm, yoga, because I know it's, the, you know, there is this uh, general sense that yoga has like a woo-woo feel to it and it's, it's you know, touchy-feely and it's not really, uh, you know, it's more about your heart and your core and your health versus uh, getting it on on the fire ground. And that that is, I would, I would submit to you and I think you would totally agree with me. I know you agree. It's a misnomer. But how do we, how do we get past that? And do you feel or find any of the participants kind of giving you a little bit of like a, I don't know, resistance in any way when that comes up? Well, you know, they're recruits and I'm, and I'm a senior firefighter. So there's no <laughs> resistance, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I can tell the sky is purple. And they go, oh yeah, that's purple. You're right. Roger so, that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, no, but, but, but joking aside, you know, I can see that, that they're, they're in there and they have this mind for what they think the academy is going to be like. Right. And, and yeah. they come in and, and, and it's not that. And, and then all of a sudden, it takes them back and trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, as far as yoga and the fire service, um, you know, I think twofold, you know, I think part of it is uh, for the senior members and people in our department to take on this task and show them, you know, this is how you stay healthy, right? When I'm out there on the fire ground and I'm, and I'm keeping pace with a 20 year old and working faster than a 20 year old and more efficient, or I got less injuries, you know, they, they look at me like, well, how do you do that? Well, this is part of my process, right? Yeah. Um, and secondly, I think is just is just I think we've lost um, the understanding of what yoga is. You know, yoga was originally started for for you know warriors and wrestlers out of India, and and this is something that people forget is that this is a whole system that was that, that was really designed to bring union of mind and body. You know, for the for really what a lot of people argue is the birthplace of of wrestling and martial arts. Yeah. Uh, and we've forgotten that because you know we're not we're not aware of the history behind it. Um, so those are two things that I kind of talk about and kind of try to bring bring connection to. Also, you know, also the idea that you can't go 100% every single day. You know, every single day can't be the red line workout. Right. Um, your body just can't recover. And so, what do you do on those days where you need to be doing something, but you can't do that? So those are kind of how I address those in the, in the academy, and I kind of I'm just con- condensing it and compressing it. Obviously, there's more to it. Um, I've had a number of recruits tell me, man, my body's never felt better hmm. uh, halfway through the academy. You know, where most most people in academies are thinking, oh, my body's going to break down. They're like, man, my body feels better than it's ever felt in my whole life. Right. Um, that's a pretty and, good and, That's a pretty good testimony. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, or, you know, guys call me up after a probation. You know, oh, fuck, man, I need to get back into the, 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 the yoga stuff, the stretching stuff. Man, my, my body's starting to hurt me again. Well, there right. you go, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the way I address it. Do you guys, so do you, do you have any like fundamental principles that you say, Hey, these are like the, these are the core elements that you need to be focused on, you know, right now. And then th- that they can take with them into probation, into their career, et cetera. Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, I think you talk about performance on the fire ground. It's, 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 it's all inclusive. Um, you know, so granted, I have a very short period of time with them, but I start off by, by kind of, this overarching philosophy um, that better people make better firefighters. 
and that's and that's kind of where I got that from the book Legacy. Uh, I forget the author's name, uh, but it's written about the All Blacks, the rugby team in New Zealand. It was yeah. one of the most prolific, you know, sports teams ever. They've they, they've won for longer than anyone can remember, and they're dominant. And Legacy is basically a book he breaks down of you know why they're so successful. And one of the philosophies, one of the first philosophies they teach is is better people make better rugby players. And so the first thing I tell them in PT, if you want to be a good firefighter, you're going to be good in the fire ground, you, you got to become a better person. Uh, and, and, and for that, I give them my four pillars. And my four pillars are connection, passion, strength, and fuel. And then after that, I talk about the mental performance side. You know, so often our physical performance at a, on a fire ground can be hindered by our mental performance. So for that, I talked about, about my four C's which are composure, confidence, concentration, and conditioning. And then, you know, those lead into the, the third the third piece I give them is, is your decision-making. You know, what decisions are you making and when are you making them and how are you making them? You know, a wrong decision, and you know there's a wrong decision on the fire ground, oftentimes can be more costly than someone doing the right thing. Um, you know, so making the right decision is super important. And the last piece is actually the physical fitness and kind of the, the, the physical fitness side. That's kind of the four things I talk to them in bigger, in bigger general, and I break them out into those individual four pieces and talk about those in more detail. Interesting. I, I you know, it's funny, Aaron. I feel like there needs to be, um, there needs to be some of this is in the recruiting, right? Before they ever strap on the bunker gear and you know turn up at the tower, how do we, you know, even this might be too big of a question, but how do you even assess? who these people are and do they come with those skills, at least some of the, the, um, you know, the better person type qualities, right? I feel like if we recruited better people, but people with better integrity, we would, we would have a, a better time of it. And I don't know, I don't know how you suss that out, you know, before you hire them, but boy, that, you know, the, the, the things that your mama told you, um, are so, are so important because we, we can train almost anybody to be a firefighter, but we cannot, uh, we can't take you back to the very beginning of your development and your, you know, where you learned ethics and values and, and your, you know, your core values where those were, where those were honed as a child. Um, absolutely. So that's a, so that's tricky when you start teaching that principle to adults. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, you know, adults need to learn and evolve too. And, and there are a lot of people that's hung, they're, they're hungry for it. Um, you know, we, we, our system is really designed that after college, if, if you go to college, um, for me, it was high school. But you know, when you finish your education, that's that's the that's the cap of what you learn for most people. Right. Um, so I think people are hungry to learn. Back to your other question about how do you change that? I think that I think the fire service as a culture needs to needs to evolve a little bit. You know, we're not the, the um, you know, kick the door down, eat the smoke, you know, um, you know, take the heat. Uh, that, that that's part of what we do, but that's not the whole thing of what we do. Our job has has really evolved past just the the firefighting. And so I think you know, for as a fire service in general, just just kind of redefining what it is to be a firefighter. Yeah. Um, and then on on a department level, it's it's the testing process. It's the interviews. You know, the questions that you ask your candidates. It's it's what you tell them what, what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, that's gonna help. That's gonna help guide that. But it's a it's it's a challenge for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think it's um, 
I really love the fact that you're, you're talking about, you know, the continuing education, the continuing learning. Because if it's one thing I've learned in my career is that every time I turn around, I realize there's more that I don't know, right? There's a, there's a new widget, there's a new tool, there's a new hazard, um, or, or, you know, as is we see in medicine, right? They, they discovered that what they were doing before is not the great, it doesn't have the greatest efficacy. So we need to do it a different way. And so we, we train, we change our medicines, we change. And, you know, and currently in the last five to 10 years, we've been talking a lot about fire behavior and we're seeing huge yeah. changes in the way that we understand fire and, yep. and you know, and the, the, the uh, contents of homes have evolved and it's changing the way fires burn and changing the way we're able to respond to them. So those are, I mean, those are just a couple of the things that are constantly evolving. So, so it makes sense that the firefighter would have to uh, change as well over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you talk about fires changing, you know, one of the things that pops in my mind is kind of off, off topic, a little tangent, but uh, you know, if you ever read the book, deep survival, very fast. I have, yeah. Is it Luis, yeah. Luis Gonzalez is his name? Yeah. Great, yeah. Great, great book. Great book for the fire service. Great book for anyone to read, uh, and people listening out there. Um, but he talks about how when you try to build these these safety nets into these systems, that you don't necessarily avoid the, the, the catastrophe. You just postpone it. And when it happens, it's bigger. Hmm. You know? And so I think part of the thing we're seeing with fire behavior also is that we've built, you know, the houses to be more fire resistant, the the furniture, the, the, the rugs, the beds, the everything to be more fire resistant. But when the fire does break out, when it is large, it's more catastrophe because it's, it takes more to get it going. So when it gets going, it's, it, it's going. Yeah. Um, that's just one of the theories, you know, where, where I fight, you know, fighting fire in a, in a new building versus a, a, you know, old, you know, true dimension redwood lumber house. Right. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, two completely different fires. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, the, I think in the seventies, we started to see a transition in the way they made furniture, right? So you see, yeah. uh, it goes from being cotton and wood and organic materials to spun hydrocarbons. And so like plastics, whatever a buddy of mine was, we were talking about this and he goes, yeah, I challenge you to find one of those, you know, those large, like, you know, 12 to 24 inch, uh, Tonka dump trucks that we had as kids that were, you know, made of yeah. metal and steel. And uh, he goes, you cannot find one of those unless you're like a picker and you happen to find one in someone's, you know, back 40 in the garage somewhere. But the yeah. reality is that everything is made out of plastics nowadays. And the only thing on that Tonka truck that's metal might be the axles. Maybe. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> so everything in people's homes now is made out of these these hydrocarbons, and and they're wonderful, and they're they're inexpensive, and they can be shaped into anything, um, which is fantastic from a manu- manufacturing perspective. But when you when they get started, the the heat energy release is so high that the fire propagates like crazy, and uh, really creates a a serious you know this modern fire environment is really a serious issue for us. Absolutely, and, and so uh, yeah, it's really important for us as firefighters to acknowledge that and to be and to be willing to uh, read the reports, listen to the researchers, and then apply it with the common sense and, and the tactics that we understand how they work, and we commingle them together. Uh, that that part's really important. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's the integration of new knowledge with with old old knowledge and old old tactics. Right. You have to That's be willing the, to flex and change a little bit and uh, be the adaptable one. So when you talk about like 
lifelong learning. To me, that's a huge part of that is, is willing to say, Hey, you know, what? I thought I knew everything, but man, things are different. And we have to be willing to allow some of those outside circumstances to help inform what we do. Absolutely. So, so, um, so tell me about your, you know, about your, um, those four, those four, pillars. Yeah, the four pillars you talked about: connection, passion. Um, I missed one. And what was it? Strength, fuel. strength, and fuel. strength and fuel. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, simply connection is connection. It, it, it's it's a connection between the mind, the body, you know, the subconscious, the conscious, uh, what the body is doing in space. It is hugely important, and it sounds like it's it's big and it's woo woo. But it absolutely is, 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 I think, the fundamental piece to being able to perform in the fire ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to have connection with what our body's doing and where it is and how it's feeling. Oftentimes you see people work out, they put music on, they crank the music up. It's, and that's, that's deafening the senses, mm-hmm. right? When we have PT in the morning, there's no music. There's no music for everybody to listen to. That's, and that's by design. Yeah. I don't want you to tune out. You know, if, if, if you know, I want you to, I want you to have that dialogue with your body, what it's telling you, um, the connection with the breath, you know, like how fast you're breathing, the, the, the number one hindrance to your ability to be effective on a fire ground is how you manage your air, right? You know, if you had a half hour bottle that lasts most people 12 to 15 minutes, if you're sucking that thing down in seven minutes, you know, you're not really helping much, right? Yeah. If you can make that air last 20 minutes, then, then that's, that's almost a, 25% increase over the average firefighter. So it's, right? it's interesting you say that because I've often thought that, hey, the only way I'm going to do better in a breathe down is just my cardio, my body's metabolic usage of oxygen has to be better. So I got to go out and run long distance and, and do Metcons and build the engine's capacity to process. But what I hear you saying is that being mindful of your breath is part of that. And Absolutely. one yeah. of the, one of the techniques I've heard people talk about is box breathing or combat breathing. I think they call it. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. We go over some box breathing, you know, box breathing is, a, is for people listening to don't know, it's a four in, uh, inhale count, a four hold count, a four exhale count and the four retention being you, you hold your breath after you exhale. Yeah. Uh, it creates, that creates the box. Um, and that's a, that's a good tactic to use. What's better. Um, <laughs> But, you know, what I try to, first of all, when, we, when, we, when I talk about training the breath with the recruits, I first want them to connect with the, with the breath and how they're breathing. And, um, you know, I, I right away tell them that there's going to be very few workouts where I'm going to have you redline to the point where you're just breathing, just, just free full breathing as hard as fast as you can. Mm. Um, because that's not training for the fire ground. Uh, what we need to do is we need to keep our breath rate uh, at a point where we can keep our heart rate around 160, you know, maybe 150, maybe 170 at the highest. You know, this is this is when we have the the best uh, ability to comprehend and to perform. Our body has a good amount of adrenaline, not too much adrenaline, right? We have a good amount of uh, visual acuity and auditory acuity. You know, our processing speed is a little bit faster in our brain, but not so fast that we're missing stuff. We're going through the tunnel vision, right? We we have a little extra strength, a little extra endurance. Um, so it's a good, that's a good heart rate to, to, to try to, try to shoot for. Um, really what I try to push them to do is I try to just have them control their inhales and control their exhales. Mm-hmm. Most time in the fire ground, we can, you know, we, 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 we vacillate between a nasal breath and an open mouth breath. If you feel yourself getting a little too ramped up, start breathing through the nose. 
right? It's going to help relax your body, bring it down. But the reverse is true. If you, you, know, you breathe through your nose long enough, you're going to get pretty relaxed. If you're too relaxed, that's not great either. Um, so it, 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 it's a, it's a process with them, you know, and I really want them to understand that it's, that it's, that it's what's going to connect with them, right? And how's that going to work? Box breathing is, I think, a really great tool, um, to, to train your breath and, and to kind of deregulate after, after a call. So one of the, one of the breathing techniques that I, I do to help them build, uh, we call you know CO2 tolerance, which is a way that you can help increase your efficiency uh, through breathing and sure. athletics. Is with the box breathing. Start with a four by four box, right? And you do that for a week, and then you jump up to a five by five box. You do that for a week. You jump up first to a six by six box, and so on and so forth. Dang. So and usually, are you talking about doing that like just like as part like at the end of a workout, or is there a time like when is the best time to kind of optimize what you're doing there? Well, for the, for, you know, for the, for, for the, for that box breathing stuff, I, I do that at the end of the workout. There's other breathing techniques that I, that I use, you know, prior to workout. For the box breathing, uh, I, I have the recruits do after the workout. Mm-hmm. And, and the goal for us to reach to is to be able to do a 15 by 15 box. And you do a 15 by 15 box, that's one breath every minute. If you can do that for 10 minutes, that's 10 breaths in 10 minutes. I feel myself panicking already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did and, a, and, and, I have, so I did a skills course once, uh, fully turned out, breathing air, doing a bunch of work for about 30 minutes, came off air and I said, okay, I'm going to, uh, actually, sorry, I was running my bottle was, I didn't not come off air. I stayed on air. Bottle was breathed all the way down to uh, my vibe alert was going off and I was at the end of my bottle. I'm like, okay, I'm going to see how much longer I can make this bottle go. I'm going to sit down on the floor and I'm going to do my box breathing. And I, I was in like panic mode. I wanted to throw up and, uh, cause I could not, I'm like, this should be easier for me. I could not control my breath. And, um, because I was, you know, breathing so hard from working and, and could not calm it down. And, 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 and that's, and that's one of the things to think about, right? If you're at a fire ground and you're working that hard, right? Then you can't, you can't control your breathing. You can't bring it back down. What happens when something goes wrong, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the nerves are going to be worse. And then, and that's why I think, you know, it's one of the major fallacies that we train people. We train these recruits to, to, to push until they're in, until they can't push anymore all the time. Right. And, and as training them, when they go to the fire ground, they're going to push that way. Right. And, and, and that's not the most effective way and it's not the safest way to, to, to train. Right. We have strength in numbers on the fire ground and we want to use that strength in numbers. But also, if you can, if you can have your, if you can manage your air and manage your, your ability to control that air uh, on a bottle, you're going to outwork somebody because you have, you have a longer time to work. Hmm. Right. Because the air is going to last you longer. Right. And that's it. And, and that's a key piece. Um, you know, the box breathing is super, yeah, you know, you're going, you're taking one breath every minute for 10 minutes, that, 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 that's going to freak you out. But how many of these firefighter survival classes have you taken and have they ever trained, have they ever sat down and said, we're, we're going to train how to breathe right now. Right. Well, I've talked so, about you know, it, I've talked about it a bunch. Talked about it, but never trained it. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I was just saying, so the one time I tried to yeah. train it by myself, it sent me into a panic because I'm like, I can't, I can't yeah. do this. And so there has yeah. to be. Obviously, it's like all things with training, right? There needs to be a progression. And right. so I feel like I'm, I'm really excited to hear you talk about this because to me, that is, that's the training progression. Like we as individual firefighters need to sit down and, and work out a plan for this 
and, and, so and we weave it into our training. Absolutely. One of the, one of the easiest ways I start, to, I start working with the recruits is I, I'll, I'll say, okay, we're going to run, you know, 400 meters and we're going to do this six times. And the point of this workout is not to see how fast you run. The point of this workout is to, you're going to manage your breath while you're running it. You're going to, you're going to run at a point where you feel like you're, you're pushing, but not so far you can't come back. And then as soon as you cross that line, you're going to start dropping into nasal breathing. And you're going to nasal breathe until you feel like you can recover and you can go at that same pace again. And the goal is to be able to have a, as little rest as possible, right? So that you want to be able to, t- to train your body to recover using that nasal breath as fast as possible, right? Okay. And so this gets them in the mind frame of, of, of oh, okay, I'm connecting my breath to my movement and I'm, and I'm understanding how to, my body's learning how to downregulate and how to come back and how to stabilize and then how to go back out again and work again and how to come back and do that again. I like it. Yeah. So that's the connection stuff. Yeah. Well, it's funny. The connection thing is being mindful of your body, not just the breath, but just even your awareness in space. You talked about that briefly. Yeah. And I tell this story all the time because one of my, the one moment of, of like perfect clarity, I went into a structure fire and I was, it was a hoarder house and it was, the floor was covered. It was like three feet deep of magazines and um, I've got a nozzle and I'm working to put this fire out and I'm slipping and sliding all over these magazines. And I remember thinking, slow down, gather your core, you know, and you do not blow your back out sliding over on these magazines. And it was a very present moment for me. And I hear, and what I feel like you're saying is that that's exactly where we need to be. Yeah. You know, we need to be paying attention, you know? So I worked my, my whole career on the truck, um, so most of my fires I fight, you know, on the roof, cutting holes in the roof. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, people ask all the time, like, you know, how do you sound the roof? And, you know, how do you know this and that? And after a while, you know, you, you develop a feel for it. Right. right. I listen, I, 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 I look, I, you know, I feel, you know, I feel that I feel how it feels on my feet. And that's part of that connection. That's part of that awareness of what your senses are telling you. Yeah. Um, and, and that gets developed, you know, in a large way working out. And if you're constantly, you know, just, tuning yourself out to your, to what your body's trying to tell you, um, you're, you're not developing that skill set. Right. Yep. There it is. So, yeah. so let's talk about passion. Yeah. Passion. That's probably my most favorite one. Cause I, you know, I think that's the one that, that I feel most people, myself included struggle with, you know, trying to keep that passion, keep that fire burning to keep mm-hmm. yourself moving. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a challenge, I think. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, that I, I really appreciate that this is one of your pillars because it is a conversation that happens all the time. And people seem to kind of forget that we're having this conversation on a regular basis, which is the idea that burnout is real and that there's that, you know, we're like, no, no, I love my job. Yeah, I know. I know you do. But at some point we are not as, uh, as engaged in the work as we should be. And why is that? Right, we f- because of the, you know, the, the years of of constant um, barrages of calls and and the le- and sometimes the difficult situations we have to deal with those can can you know lay on top of you as well and create all kinds of problems. Absolutely. So, so what are your thoughts on that? On burnout? You no, know, on, I, well, on 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 maintaining that passion. So I you know I, th- I you know I think you know I know for me one of my main ways I maintain that passion is. is doing the drill tower with, with the new recruits. Mm. That's a volunteer. Yeah. That's something I volunteer for. You know, I don't get paid extra for that. Um, you know, I go down on my off days, 
um, I detail out uh, uh, the mornings that I work, which is not ideal, but it's kind of the way we got to run it. Um, but, you know, seeing them, seeing a new recruit and how excited they are, uh, that's, you know, that, that stokes, that stokes my, uh, you know, my passion. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up in the city, city that I work in, it, it keeps it easy. You know, I, I, these are places that I've been going since I was a kid. I see people that I grew up with. Um, you know, I, I just, it's, it's an honor to be able to, to be able to, to be able to be that person that, that they, they see. Um, you know, I think, you know, it takes work. You know, you, you got to sit down when you're, when you're feeling you know, that again, going back to connection, right. You just have to feel yourself losing that passion. Um, you know, sit down with yourself and start to boil, boil it back down. Like, like find, find the passion again. Keep asking yourself why. Yeah. That's um, the word that I know, was just thinking. Why, 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 why? Yeah. You know, why are you I, here? I, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm a huge fan of journaling. Sometimes I, I you know, I journal that. Sometimes I say, you know, why, you know, why am I going to work out today? Why am I going to do this drill today? Mm. Um, you know, we got some new, uh, rescue rope stuff, you know, MPDs and some fours and Aztecs and all this new stuff coming in changing. Yep. And, and we're out there drilling with it again and again and again. And, and uh, one of the newer guys I got, you know, I think I got it. I'm good. I'm like, well, do you, th- are, are you confident that if someone called tonight and the shit was going on in the fans and, you know, the, the community is asking you, you know, are you ready for it? And he's like, no, I'm gonna do it again. And, uh, you know, and, and I told him, Hey, look, you know, one of the things that gives me passion, as I'm telling him, is the fact that that people in this city, when when they need help and there's no one else to help them, they call us. That gives me passion, right? Because I ask myself why, and I think that's the thing is you got to keep asking yourself why. It's just pop up, or the same answer may pop up again, um, but when you feel it slipping, you you got to ask why. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important that we're honest with ourselves. Yeah. You know, we, I think sometimes we get so caught up in coming to work and doing the thing and you're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. But you, you slowly separate yourself from the core values that you have, the, the primary reason for your being here up until the point where you start acting like a jerk or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell a story since I'll be, I'll be a little bit vulnerable here and, and share a story. Um, I was on a call. I was an acting captain at the time and we had this kid who was uh, intoxicated and it was three in the morning and we're standing there with PD and we're waiting for, uh, 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 an apparatus that comes at, that can take drunk folks to like a detox facility. We call and, that ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, is a, this is a special unit. And, uh, and so I, I, this kid kept falling asleep. So I, I took my finger and I thumped him on the eye. And I'm like, hey, wake up. If if I'm up, you're up, right? And I did this several times to keep this kid up. We get him on the we put him in the thing and we ship him off to the the facility to get to get detoxed and off he goes, right? Well, the next morning, a senior firefighter came in, a very senior firefighter, and he pulls me aside and he goes, Hey, listen, if that's how you're gonna be as a captain, I have no interest in working here. And I was, I was just totally set back. I was on my heels and I'm like, man, I, holy crap. I am sorry. You are absolutely right. I didn't even think about how the, the, the level of, of, I don't know, jerk that I had sunk to. Right. And there's a lot far worse things I could have been doing, but I was being malicious to this guy on purpose. Right. I was mad. I was angry. I was tired and cranky and did not want to be there. And so when this guy called me out on it, I thought, man, he just saved me. 
and year, you know, a few years later, I got promoted and he retired and I pulled him aside at his retirement and I said, Hey, thank you for having the courage to tell me that I was outside the box. I was outside the lines where I should be. And that I was treating people in an inappropriate way. Cause had you not said something, if you didn't have the courage to correct me, uh, who knows where I'd be right now, <laughs> right? I'd have gone yeah. 10 degrees even further off the mark. And so it, uh, I don't know my point in telling you all that is just that I, I have that. I think we all feel we all get there and we have to, we have to have the courage to check one another and, and, and refocus ourselves on the mission, right? Here's why we're here. We're here for Absolutely. the community. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and there's individual passions for things, why people do things. But I think the core question is keep asking yourself why and eventually you'll find it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really appreciate your story and, and, and that, honesty and you know vulnerability because you know every firefighter goes through that and that story has so many pieces that's so important to the fire service and the senior firefighter that's that's where i'm at right now on, on my shift i'm a senior firefighter and it's such an important role because if that's the person who 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 needs to be able to speak up to the officers um or the people above you know, chiefs or whoever when when they're out of line yeah um and vice versa and you're right people need to call call people out because you know it's it's hard to keep that passion and hard to keep that you know altruism all the time and we all slip up and that's why we have each other to help us right hey and that's you know hey we travel in a team of four right at the very least yeah and so um you know in some cities it's three but you know whatever the point remains that not everybody is going to be on point all the time so we have to be willing to talk to one another and go hey bro you're out of line (laughs) Why don't you step back yeah. for a minute, go sit on the truck for five seconds and, and go get, you know, get yourself squared away. And, uh, yeah, you know, we absolutely. have to be willing to do that for one another and, uh, to, so that we can represent, you know, the name on the back of our shirts appropriately. And, yeah. uh, cause that, you know, the greater, the greater mission is, uh, it's far beyond each one of us individually. It's about the organization. It's about the, the citizens and, and what we are there to do for them. So. I, uh, 100%. Yeah. I love that. I love that piece. And, you know, the, you know, we haven't, you know, I'm just talking about these, these, these four pillars in, in, in general right now, but, you know, I, I talked to kids a lot about mental health. That's a huge issue. And mm. these four pillars apply to mental health as well. Um, and that's a whole nother thing that I delved into with them. Um, but yeah, it might be, might be a topic for a different time. Sure. Well, um, I can, I can see the direct yeah. connection, right? You know, the, 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 we talk about personal, like physical connection, but what about the human connection and, yeah. you know, person to person, man to man, you know, man to woman, et cetera. And then, you know, that the idea of passion and, and having things in addition to our careers that we're passionate about for our, yeah. our health, right. Being able to go out and, and mountain bike or do jujitsu, which I know you and I share as a passion. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was funny. You say jujitsu right now, cause I constantly have to push my earbud back in my ear. Cause it, out, <laughs> it, doesn't, really, it doesn't really fit in, in, a, in, in one of my ears. So it's, yeah, it's I've funny. gone to uh over the ear headphones. So <laughs> yeah. Because uh, well, my ears probably aren't nearly as bad as yours because I'm just a rookie. But um, someday, someday they're going to be horrible. Um, yeah. But the passion overrides the cauliflower ear. <laughs> yeah. Hey, That's so t- let's talk about these pillars a little bit more. So tell me about st- yeah. the strength pillar. So the strength pillar is is is, is where I first start really bringing in uh, the mental performance and mental strength. It's also where I talk about the mental health side. Um, and again, it. it I really want the recruits to understand that if your physical prowess, your physical ability 
is is, is really only a small part of of, of of this whole 30 plus year career and really how we perform the fire ground. This is where I talk about my, talk about my, my, my four C's of mental performance. And that's the uh, composure, confidence, concentration, and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also where I started bringing in the actual PT, the actual, you know, workouts, the, the, you know, what we do, you know, the, the, the prehab um, stuff is also where this falls into strength, strength to your body, right? Strength to your core. Um, so this is also where I bring in that, that element with most people think of the more traditional side of, of, of fitness and more traditional side of, again, I hate the word, but tactical athletes. Um, that's kind of the strength is where that, where, where that would fall in. Why do you hate that term, tactical athlete? Oh, uh, first of all, we're not athletes. I, I, I'm adamant about this one. You know, athletes, they, um, they have a known time they're going to perform. They know how long they're going to perform. They know mm-hmm. what tasks are, are going to be. Um, they know they have water. They know they have rehab. They know they have subs. You know, uh, there's so many things that an athlete has that we don't have. Um, you know, we, 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 we can train similar to athletes, but we're not athletes. We have no idea when they're telling them to go off. We have yeah. no idea how long we're going to work for. We have no idea if we're going to get people to come, you know, relieve us. Right. Um, we, you know, we don't know what we're going to do, how long, you know, we, we don't know if you're tired, if you've eaten, you know, if, if you, if you're dehydrated, we don't know any of these things. Right. And so our, our, our training regimen needs to, needs to not be, we, we can't mimic what athletes do. Right. Right. Heart rate variability is a huge one. I talk about, oh, your heart rate variability. If the heart rate's not, not, you know, the heart rate variability is not a hundred percent take work out easy, easy that dates, you know, take it easy. You need more rest. Well, that bell doesn't care if your heart rate variability is jacked. Right. Right. Those citizens don't care. Right. So, you know, how do you work out from, you know, how do you perform in a depleted state? You know, these are all things that the athletes don't do. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's probably one of my biggest, uh, con- you know, fallacies with that word. I, I just think it's a misused word for, for us. And it leads to some of the pitfalls you see when people train for the fire service. Um, yeah. Yeah. That I may- go down a rabbit hole too much. On that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> no, it's a, it's yeah. a good one. Cause I've, I've always, I've used the expression, uh, uh industrial athlete, right? Yeah. That's the term that I picked up a while back. Yeah. And, and I, it's along the same lines, right? Like, but that's the, um, the, the thing about that this is one of the things about what the way that we train physically is that you do have to take into account the fact that uh well you said it very plainly but the idea that you don't know when your mission is going to come and uh i had an old old family friend who's a firefighter in la city tell me one day he goes he goes this can be the easiest job ever and then 60 seconds later it's the hardest job ever and it just, yeah. it can flip flop and you never know when that's going to happen. I can't tell you how many times I've had to fight a, a, a worker w- with a full belly of food and I just pull over to the side and like throw up, you know, try not to get it in my mask. Um, you know, because I'm just, you know, I got to get this out of my belly and, uh, Absolutely. that's a real problem. Or, you know, when I was doing mountain rescues, you're going up and down the mountain multiple times in the middle of summer in Phoenix, you are like, dude. This is ridiculous. Why are these people out here? It's 110 degrees. Go home, people. <laughs> right? <laughs> but but there they are, and we have to are. be capable of going and getting them. And so we yeah. do, right? And, um, and you know, some of this you can anticipate, but at the end of the day, uh, you really don't know when you're going to be called upon to perform. And so uh, the work and rest cycles, the classic model of, you know, 
of training cycles, et cetera, do not take that into consideration. There's a, you know, here's another thing that I have recruits do and not, not, not always, but I start towards the end of the academy. I start building this in, you know, zero warm up, mm. no warm up whatsoever. Just go to work right now. And, you know, I call this, a, you know, I, like even lifting terms, it'd be, it'd be a cold rep max, right? Yeah. What can you lift right now? What can you do right now? And, and, and I, because that's what we do, you know, I, you know, how many times are you dead asleep? And then, you know, five minutes later, you're on the fire ground, throwing a ladder or pulling a hose or you know, there's no one up there. Right. Um, so, you know, again, if you, if you tell any trainer that of athletes, they're, they're going to freak out. You, you, you can't work out without warming up. Right. You know? Yeah, how many you can't how many do times that. have you jumped out of bed in the middle of the night? <laughs> you know? The warm up is the run from your bunk to the truck. Yeah, yeah, that's the warm up. <laughs> yeah, and then the pounding on your back and your neck, through, you know, tilting or, or driving, you getting beat up to get then jump out and, and and hit it all over again, right? Right. Um. So, um, you know, that's you know, how many times have you, you know, I don't know how 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 night active your department is, but our department in, in the Flatlands are very night active. You know, for us, we don't consider a night runs after midnight. You know, <laughs> any run before midnight is not considered a night run. Right. And, you know, it's right. It's not, un, you know, it, it's not uncommon for, for most of our flatland companies or engine companies uh, to be running, you know, three to four to five after midnight. You know, you, so you're not really, what? you're not really sleeping, right? No, totally. So, and so that next day, you know, we just changed to 48 hour shifts. Uh, so that next day, I mean, you, you're still going, you, you, you still got to work, you know, you still got to fight a fire, right? Yeah. Um, you guys are so running forty eight ninety six. We just changed it forty eight ninety six. How do you like that? I I, I don't prefer it, you know. Um, but I'm in the <laughs> minority. What were you guys doing? I'm in the minority. What were you guys doing previously? So we had a we had a you know Friday schedule. So so one on two off. Oh okay. And then every six weeks we had a regular day off. We called it an RDO or Kelly Day, right? Okay. So yep. every six weeks we got a we got a five day. Now we kept our we we kept our Kelly day. We just take it every twelve weeks now. So every twelve weeks we had ten days off, which is pretty sweet. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But the two days in a row are long, and, and because of the, the nature of a of a two by four schedule, you end up working a lot of threes and fours in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. With shift swaps and, and things like that, vacations. Yeah, right. and you know we trade a lot in our department. We have a lot of trading, a lot of overtime. Yeah. Um, and so you end up working a lot of seventies and ninety sixes, which is, you know, which is, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, it, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, that, that yeah. scares the heck out of me. I just, um, I, the last couple of years, there's a, uh, a dude by the name of Don Abbott, a retired fire chief. He's been doing some research on Maydays and, uh, there's a ton of data that, that, that they've pulled, I think 6,000 Maydays. Uh, I can't remember which episode it is, but I talked to him a while back and, on uh, the podcast and, but the, what scares me about what you're talking about, he said that the majority of Maydays happen on the back half of a shift and on a 12 or sorry, on a 24 hour shift. So on the second half, and then even more happen on the back half of a 48. I believe it. So it's, believe it. you think about the fatigue that sets in and, and yeah, you're just, you're, you're not on your, you're not on point. Yeah. Uh, I do. I, I would be fascinated to, to, to read more about that. I a hundred percent believe that. Yeah. I, I will send you the, uh, I'll send you a link to it, but it's, uh, Please do. it's the website is, uh, madeaproject.com. I believe I can't remember for certain, but I'll leave a, I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes and, uh, 
and I can't remember what episode it is, but I'll link, put a link to that too because talking to him about it, it's really fascinating when you talk about just that, just that portion of it alone is enough to freak you out. Not to mention you talk about out of class and professional versus volunteer and you know all these other factors that are you know contributing yeah. contributing issues into this. Um, but yeah, sleep. So so let's talk about that for a second. When you talk about you know the pillar of strength, you know we talk about the ability to recover and sleep deprivation and how that plays a role. So I've talked to some different people about this, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on being able to recover and, and then maintain the health and wellness. Yeah. Like, how do you do it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's probably reason why I start off with, with, with the recruits as far as the physical fitness stuff with the prehab and foam rolling and stretching. Hmm. Um, I think these are huge pieces to be able to recover. Right. Um, I forget, you can probably look up on the internet, but there's some chart they have out there floating out there, like eight hours of sleep equals this much recovery. You know, foam rolling equals this much recovery. Hmm. You know, foam rolling, you know, it, it, it is recovery. Um, so is stretching. It, it is recovery. You know, I teach about hydration. Um, you know, we need to drink water. We need to have control of as many of the facets of recovery that we can um, so that the ones we don't have control over have less of an impact, right? Yeah. I don't have control over how many calls I run or how much I'm going to be up at night. You know, I, I can't control that. What I can control is my hydration. I control my stretch. I control my phone rolling. I can, you know, use my, my off days to make sure that I'm recovering appropriately, right? I'm a huge proponent of ice bath, huge proponent of saunas too, you know, mm-hmm. both ends of the spectrum. These are, you know, these are shown to recover. These are shown to, to help us reduce stress and, and reduce you know, heart disease and so many other things again. Um, but those are some of the key, those are probably some of the keys that, that, that I talk about. I, I'm a huge proponent of napping. You know, I know this is the, this is a big, the big issue in the fire service. Well, you're a ladder guy. Um, so <laughs> I mean, exactly, you know, yeah. Truck guy, you know, uh, you know, but, but from an admin you know, you know, standpoint, um, you know, admin, you know, at least in our city, they really want you to be busy, you know, nine to five. They yeah. they want, you know, and, and, there's classes you have to take. There's things you have to do. There's, there's pub beds you have to do. These, these things are important. But I do think that the culture around not, um, not, not napping needs to be, you know, reevaluated. Now I'm not saying that every single day, you know, you shut it down for multiple hours, but even right. letting guys go to their cubes or, you know, their, their racks, depending on what your station has for even a half hour, yeah. you know, even a half hour just, just to lay down. Um, that, that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, especially um, if you, if you're, if you're fairly quiet during the day, but then you know that you're going to be running through the evening and into the night, you know, Yeah. do you guys work in a 48? Like if you guys have a busy night, do you guys have to be out of the rack by a certain time in the morning or how do you guys run that? You know, right now, cause it's all new. Every station is kind of trying to fill it out. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, um, what I've experienced, right, was, um, my, my station, we all do roll call. Same, same at, at seven seven fifty five. Oh, okay. You know, and you know, most guys are up around seven, seven thirty. Um that's just what we're what we're the habit we're into. Yep. Um, you know, if there's a bad night, you know, we you know, really bad night, some sometimes we'll have roll call and the guys will go back to bed or Rerun, sometimes, yeah. you know. It, it just it's kinda hard because again we're trying to figure out the schedule like People shift mid schedule, right? Like I may work one day, and then so 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 the the lineups and crews may change a little bit, right? Right. Um, so there's, there's there is still a reason to have roll call in the morning, 
Yeah. You know, and, and it's still important. Um, so, you know, I don't have a great answer for you that I think we're all trying to figure out. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, 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 I'm asking because I hear different, different agencies all do it differently. Right. And we talk about the admin piece where, you know, Hey, if somebody rolls into that station, uh, from, you know, I don't know, a city councilman or somebody like that, right. Uh, a highfalutin citizen in the community and they roll in and they're like, where is everybody? They're in bed. It's eight o'clock in the morning, right? Not taking into consideration the fact that the night before they got their heads kicked in all night. Um, yeah. You know, and to me, there's a safety factor there. And so we have to, I think at each company, they need to kind of evaluate it themselves, like, and, and have a reasonable expectation that if you were up all night, that at some point we're going to go down for a nap and because it's about the health and wellness of the members and their ability to perform at a high level when needed. And so yeah. how do you, you know, how do you recover them? You let them sleep for a while. Right. And, um, yeah. or, you, know, you know, we, uh, our culture in the Phoenix fire department is that, uh, from noon to four, you better not call the station because <laughs> anybody <laughs> who calls is going to get an earful because that is quote, uh, nap time, if you will, right? And not yeah. not everybody takes naps, but it is the right. designated quiet time. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> so we try not to schedule a training. We try not to, um, we try not to interrupt the station at that hour, like with anything other than it's time for you to, you know, chill for a minute. And a lot of guys will read, and some guys will watch TV and read their emails or whatever, but it's just, it is set apart time for chilling out. A little, a little downtime. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, I, you know, I think besides just the acute, like you got to be ready for that call that night or whatever, there's also the, the long-term effects on, on, on health that we know sleep yeah. has, and you know, sleep deprivation and, yeah. and, and chronics, you know, over, over the course of 30 years, you know, uh, was a world health organization declared, you know, a, a, like a, like a class two carcinogen, you know, oh, yeah. sleep deprivation or something like that is crazy. Um, how, how detrimental that, you know, that can be. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, I mean, back to the original question about, about recovery, you know, I, I think, I think just the, the goal is to be able to have control of as many things as, as, um, you know, it, as you can, because there's some things you don't have control over. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of, su- of using supplements. I just don't think that firefighters can, Taking enough nutrition um, due to the stress and lack of sleep and other, mm-hmm. stuff, other stuff we're exposed to. Yeah, um, and I'm not talking about anything crazy. I'm not talking about exotic. I'm 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 a huge proponent of basic basic vitamins and minerals. Um, I think that's a huge piece of it. What are what's um, an example of like a, a little package that uh, a vitamin package that you would put together? What do you what is an example? Yeah, so uh, can I use brand names here? Or I don't care. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my very first one I tell everyone is to be is, clear, is, we're not sponsored by any of these people. Go ahead. I'm just thinking, yeah, yeah. I just want to, you know, some people get with you about that. Um, you know, my first one I tell everyone is a really good B complex and uh Jaro Jaro is pretty decent, uh, quality, uh, in general, but bees are easy to find high quality and cheap. It's a very cheap supplement. Um, bees are, are huge when it comes to cardiovascular health, when it comes to stress, when it comes to mood. I mean, you, you know, we know that depression is a huge issue and suicide is a huge issue in a fire service. And one of the treatments they give for depression and, and suicide are, are B12 injections, hmm. you know, and, and huge benefits from that. Um, what's in a, so that's, you say B complex, so it's like B12, what else is in there? It's B1, B2, B3, okay. B4, B6, um, it, it was a whole bunch of B vitamins. 
Another issue with the bees is the bees are water soluble. And so, you know, if you're sweating a lot, you're, you're, you're flushing these bees out of your body. Right. And we, I just don't feel with the amount of stress we're under and the amount of demands we have in our cardiovascular system and the sleep deprivation and the amount that we sweat, uh, cause we're working out or on calls or, or fighting fires that we, we just can't eat it, eat enough dark leafy greens to right. get enough of those bees in our body. And it's a cheap, again, cheap, a, 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 a chocolate, you can get a high quality one for pretty cheap. So that's probably the first place I start after that. Um, I'm a multivitamin, just kind of cover all bases. Uh, Thorn makes a great multivitamin for elite athletes. They divide it into AM and PM for, uh, formula. Hmm. That's a great one that I think is, you know, it just covers a lot of bases. Thorn is a super high quality um, vitamin company. It's T H O R N E, and like I said they're they super high quality. Um, they guarantee there's nothing in them. You know that that that, that, that they don't say it's in them. Uh, they they design them for NC2A athletes, so they're 100 percent you know above the board. No, no banned substances, nice. no fillers. Um, and again, that covers every that kind of covers a whole gamut of, of everything, like a wide swash. Then after that, uh, I'm a big proponent of, of, uh, D3K2. Those have always have to be used in combination. Uh, D3 is, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's books written about the power of, of D3 and, and how it's looked at as almost like a hormonal, uh, more than a vitamin, but it regulates, you know, hundreds of, different right thousands of different regulations in your body hugely important but the k2 is another another big one that has to be taken with d3 it works synergistically together hmm. uh, to kind of make sure that that the buildup of, of a calcium doesn't doesn't deposit in your arteries you know that's that, that's one of k2's big big things is transporting the calcium where it needs to be to your bones um k2 is also involved in blood clotting as a whole theory of triage theory of, of nutrients, you don't have to get into that. But essentially, if you don't have enough K2, your body's going to reserve all of it for for blood clotting because that's a, such a survival thing your body needs that right. it won't be have any K2 available to take the calcium deposits out of your arteries. Um, and, and so your bones will be less dense and you'll have buildup and plaque in your arteries when really K2 can help with that dramatically. Um, so that's... And, those two work together synergistically. So those are kind of the three basics um, that I that I preach. Um, and then there's all kinds of rabbit holes for individuals that might might be beneficial. Sure. But those but those those three or four, depending if you can include K two D three as a single supplement or two, those are the big ones that I that I kind of I kind of preach. So what you I know your last pillar was fuel. Yeah. And- and so what's interesting is I, I think about like supplementation and, but, but what I would say is, um, it doesn't do you any good if you're not already eating a reasonably healthy diet. Absolutely. Right? You can't eat like garbage 100%. and th- sprinkle on some <laughs> supplements and be like, I'm good. Um, yeah. and, and then, yep. well, you know, talking about recovery, that's the other thing, like the idea that. Um, we're going to do all these healthy things. We're going to work out and we're going to train and we're going to, we're going to take care of our, we're going to do prehab and we're going to, um, do yoga and we're going to take care of ourselves, but we're going to eat like garbage. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're never truly going to recover. You're never going to be, uh, never going to be as resilient as you would like to be. Um, yeah. 
So let's talk about fuel for a second. So you touched on the vitamin piece, but what other, what's the other, the last piece of that? Yeah. So, so fuel. And again, some of these, some of these pillars kind of overlap, like you, like you kind of alluded to, right. They all kind of work together. Um, fuel is not only the fuel or information that you're putting into your body being the food that you're eating. It's also, you know, how and when you eat is important. Um, and then the, the last piece of that fuel, the other side of that coin is what are you filling your, your mind with? Like, what, you know, what are you learning? What are you reading? And it goes back to lifelong learning, right? Um, cause regardless of what you think, you are learning. Your, our, 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 our brains are primed to learn. This is something people don't quite grasp all the time is that it doesn't matter what you're doing, you are learning, right? If you're sitting on your phone all day, flip, you know, flipping through, uh, Tinder, if you're a new guy, you know, or uh, you're learning something, or, 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 or Instagram, you're learning. Like those programs are training your mind, you know, and and, and they're training they're training your mind in a particular way. And if you're not cognizant of that, you know, that's that's an even bigger problem. But no matter what you're doing, you're learning. And so, so what kind of what what fuel are you putting, you know, are are you putting into your mind that, that you're learning? So that th- those are two sides of the coin. I like um, you know, the nutrition side, you know, for me, um, I try to keep it pretty general. I mean, this is probably, probably one of the places that are, are the most, the most friction for people. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I, I think if we stick to them very, I, I, what I try to preach is if you look at the commonalities across all these different diets and, and things and shoot and shoot for that, you know, um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge proponent of saying I only eat meat. Or I'm, I don't eat any carbs, or I don't eat any vegetables. You know, I think a, a reasonable balance of those and those those amounts may vary from individual to individual. Um, and but you know, we can say that organic food, 100. percent You know, that's as much a much as much organic food as you can possibly eat. Um, you know, the whole environmental uh, impact aside just to your body makes a huge difference. Mm. You know, um, I, I personally lean towards uh, a more vegetable uh, and fruit heavy diet. Um, you know, I do eat meat, but I don't, I don't eat a ton, you know, a ton of meat. I do think, you know, looking at your macros, making sure you are getting enough protein is important. You know, proteins are building blocks, but you also need to have enough fat in it to, in your diet to let some of those fat soluble vitamins and nutrients from the food get into your body where they need to be right. right you need to have enough carbohydrate that that your body is producing fuel and this is this is a touchy subject right now because everyone's into the keto thing <laughs> um and we can go down a different rabbit hole on this but i just finished reading this great book endurance by alex hutchinson and he breaks down the keto diet in terms of performance um and there really isn't a question on that. Like he's pretty clear that that the keto diet does not produce great performance. Um, he has all the science to back it, um, but that's a different rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about like you need that uh, the accessibility to those carbs. And, yeah. And you don't have the access when you're uh, when you're trying to. Well, let's talk about fighting fire, right? When you're you're working a, a hot fire, and uh, or you know it's a, a good job. Well. You, you don't have time to slowly process your, you know, your fat burners and, you know, you do need some carbs in your system. 
sometimes you need sometimes you need some go-go juice right right <laughs> you know you, but you to your, tap into that atp system like instantaneously yeah yeah, yeah. It, well so to your point like i the, i've done a few cycles over the years where i've tried i've tinkered with different diets and uh i did a keto uh phase when i was running ultra marathons and i was able to do a 50 miler and i over the course of was 12 hours i consumed 290 grams of carbs total and everything else was fat nuts and uh you know like nut butters and uh um was it and i felt fantastic but when i was in the last two miles and i was i was coming the grand canyon i'm climbing the grand canyon trying to get out and i i crashed hard and that's i pretty much get those those 290 grams of carbs was in the last two miles because I, I needed access to energy. I was done. And Yeah, the book is super fascinating. We talked about that. Exactly. Yeah, let's check it out. Like, like the longer distance runners, mm-hmm. they do much better on the keto-adapted fat right. diet, but they don't have access to any any real like sh- short burst power. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, your body just has, has de-adapted to be able to use sugars and carbohydrates. Right. Right. And so you don't, you don't, you don't have as much ability to produce that peak power. Um, you know, out of your body. And I do think in the, in, in the job of firefighting, just looking at the lens of firefighting, um, there are times where we need that peak power. Right. Right. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like the, uh, you know, during this long run, I felt really, really good until the final push came and, push, I, and, yeah. I, and I had to work <laughs> extra hard to climb, you know, I was climbing those last few miles. And, uh, and I was like, dude, I, I don't have it. I'm zapped. And it was, yeah. you know, the, yeah, I needed that access. So it was interesting. And that's, so that's the thing I think is really important. And this goes back to your point about connection is that each one of us has a slightly different, uh, adaptation and response to that's right. the different diets. Right. And so, 100%, you know, that's right. I think it's okay to experiment, but you have to be mindful of that. You know, I did really well on a keto diet. My body felt really good. And I, and, um, you know, the type of work that I was doing, it, it was just fine. Um, and I felt pretty good about it. The and my body composition was in a pretty good place, et cetera, et cetera. The um, but I do know that when I was training jujitsu and things like that, I would go a little heavier on my carbs those days and try to yep. add in some carbs because I knew the intensity was coming. But that it, that only was born out of listening to my body. So yes, you know, when you go to the station, you can't get bullied into one way or another of eating. You have to really think about. Uh, Look at the values of all these different diets and then listen to your body and see how it responds. That's, uh, you know, I, I really couldn't have said it better. You know, I think so uh, to backtrack one thing, you know, if, you, if you're going to eat meats, try to eat natural, free range, grass fed, hormone free as much as possible. But yeah. to your point, you know, when I was younger in my, in my 20s and your, and your hormones are still through the roof, right? And you're... Yeah. You know, you got, you got, you got a big chest and, and, uh, you know, dumb and strong back. Um, <laughs> you know, you can eat more meat, I think, cause your yeah. body processes it and utilizes it and it actually needs it. And, 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 you know, I'm in my forties now and, and, and as I've gotten older, what I've noticed is that, um, my body needs less protein and, but it needs, it needs it, even the protein I get needs to be less of the actual animal meat product. My body does not feel as good uh, when I eat as much of it. And now that doesn't mean I'm not getting protein. It doesn't mean I don't eat meat because there are some times where I do that, 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 that grass fed steak, that's a ticket. 
you know, I'm feeling great after that. You know what I mean? Um, but you're, you're hundred percent right. I couldn't say it better. You have to listen to your body because your needs change as, as you age and as your stress levels and to your point, as your activity levels change. Right. Um, and just not, not to be dogmatic on, on necessarily what diet you're following. Right. Yep. You got to listen to your body. And, I mean, I'm sure you saw it in the firehouse. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, but I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you saw it in the firehouse when, um, and I'm, I'm trying to laugh right now, but uh, what was that documentary that came out with a guy who juiced um, that lost all that weight? Oh, so I can't remember, but but yeah, but everyone remember. everyone in the firehouse started juicing. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was like it was like the big fucking thing. It was oh, we're all juicing, we're all just mad. And, yeah, and I just like because it's one documentary with one guy. You know, like like right. you know. Um, yeah, but <laughs> the one documentary, the diet documentary that I thought was fantastic and really proved its point was that dude who ate McDonald's for 30 straight days. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, super me. Yeah. That's it. That was, that was great. <laughs> yeah, that to me yeah. was an absolute. I'm like, that's right on the money. Who could have predicted yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, so um, uh, let's see. We're at like an hour and 10 minutes. So let's, let's, yeah. uh, Let's button it up. Um, let me ask you a couple of uh, uh, a couple rapid fire questions. You ready? You got it. Okay. What is the most important role of a senior man? Oh, most important role of a senior man, I think. Uh, tough one. Probably the most important role. If I had to pick one, it it's it's to train the new people coming up. Um. You know, this, this, the senior firefighters really set the tone of the, of the department. And they're the few people, I don't know how it is in your department, but the senior firefighters in our department are the people that can really, if they choose to, can kind of go against uh, a chief or even the chief. Um, they, they hold a lot of respect and clout in our department. And um, they're really responsible for training not only the actual nuts and bolts of how to do the job, but also the culture. Um, so I think senior guys take senior men to take care and, and really think about where they, where they want the department to be and all the shit that they want to gripe about and complain about and all those, all the things of this new kid is not that this, this new kid ain't shit. Then they need to, instead of talking shit, they need to teach the newer generation to not be that. And by example, love it. All right. Yeah. Next question. Yeah. Favorite Brazilian Jiu Jitsu submission. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite the umplata probably only yeah. because when I first saw it, I was like, "There's no way I'm ever gonna fucking do, be able to do this." <laughs> and you're like, "Like, like, how am I ever gonna be able to get somebody's you know arm with my leg? You'd be fucking kidding me." And then to, to turn out that it's actually one of you know one of my most favorite uh, you know submissions. Yeah, um, sometimes people would, just give it to you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was at this one <laughs> seminar, and uh, it's, it's uh, you know, do you know who Bruchesha is? I do, yeah. Yeah, fucking just a monster, right? So I'm, I'm at a seminar with him, and he's speaking in, you know, his English with accent. He's like, we're going to learn very secret submission, the triangle. I'm like, oh, but what the fuck's a triangle? <laughs> like, holy shit, like, 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 this is a, this is like legit stuff, man. And it's going on, 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 on. And finally, he's like, the triangle. And I realized he's saying triangle. I'm like, oh, just a triangle. <laughs> You're like, man, that's a white, that's white belt stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time and yeah. and, and rapping with me. If um, 
I know you have a bunch of stuff on some so, on social media, and um, yeah. I know because I've done some of your uh, yoga flows that you have up there. And yeah. um, bro, uh, next level. Really appreciate it. Uh, really very challenging, and um, uh, and really helped me to kind of uh, recognize some some shortcomings in my own physical movement and, and really appreciate that being up there and available for folks to follow. Yeah. So if somebody wants to follow along and see what you're doing and uh, where would they follow you at? Yeah. So live, serve, thrive. And that's across uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, the web. Um, So it's live, serve, thrive. And that's where they can find me. Pretty simple. Right on. Thanks brother. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. That's all we have for today. Special thanks to my guest, Aaron. Appreciate you being on, brother. And uh, if you are enjoying this podcast, go to whatever platform you enjoy most and subscribe. Uh, get on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating. Leave a review. This helps uh, This helps the platform. Uh, and any feedback that you send me, uh, I will respond to. And I truly appreciate. Hey, Take this opportunity to assess who you are and what you are doing. Find ways to improve your life. Little things, daily behaviors, daily actions. Stop lifting heavy weights. Do some yoga. Stop doing yoga. Lift some heavy weights. Figure out what it is that will help you be strong and help you be robust and get after it. Now, go on out there and get some.